so the the race itself is billed i guess advertised slash sold as the uh as the uk's uh most brutal uh running race so uh and to be honest sounds inviting sounds invite where do i sign up yeah uh, you know as you as you quite rightly said mark as someone that's probably spent you know 15 years specifically in the endurance space the sort of um uh, you know uh, mostly uh running but other events too I, I i'd find it pretty hard to argue to be honest you know i, I genuinely don't think there is a a tougher uh event out there hello there here we are again did you miss us season two of the movement with gratitude podcast is upon us we're so excited after the huge success of season one we are looking to embark on more conversations with some good human beings all centered around movement and gratitude so sit back relax tell your friends and remember don't just run run grateful okay here we go mr david bone and me mark (laughs) white (laughs) oh it sounds strange but here we are um uh, i'll say a special edition but it's uh, an episode of the Move with Gratitude. No, let's rephrase that. Gratitude Moves podcast, and yeah, just chuffed to be with you, David. Not in person, but no matter what way it happens, it's uh, it's always a nice time spent. And yeah, just to introduce you to those that don't know you, and I'm sure they might have come across a recording. Uh, of what we've done previously with the wonderful Paula, co-founder of Camino Ultra. Uh, but I was just super excited to chat to you, which is today, Wednesday, the 25th of January. Uh, a few days out, oh, sorry, a few days since you finished something pretty epic. Uh, I haven't spoken to you about it yet. Uh, there's been a little bit of back and forth on WhatsApp. But a big part of me just wanted to kind of get a sense of your experience whilst doing what you just did, which we can obviously share about uh, in the coming seconds. And yeah, just capture it and not chat to you beforehand. And I just thought if we recorded it, it should be a lovely podcast for other people to listen to as you reflect on what must have been just something you know pretty, pretty unique. So without further ado, I'm going to hand over to you, David, tell us what you've just come back from and um, <laughs> uh, and yeah, then we get right into it and whatever comes to me, I'll feed back to you and we can have hopefully what would be a, a lovely, lovely chat about it all and, uh, and all things running and all things gratitude, which I know you're tuned into because you're a huge, massive, gigantic, important part of, of us and what we've done, what we're doing and what we are, you know, what we've yet to do. So where are you, David? How are you feeling? And, and, and tell us, uh, yeah, tell us what you've just done. Well, Mark, my my dear friend, that's a, that's a very beautiful uh, intro. Expect nothing less from you, gorgeous oh, fella. Yeah, well, um, I've just taken a zip of my XL coffee, which I know you're a big fan <laughs> of as well. Shout out huge, to Alex. Huge, huge fan, huge fan. Uh, yes, I have um, just finished an event it's um so in the uk there are many glorious uh trails one of the largest ones is called the pennine way which is a 268 mile uh, route from 
uh, a beautiful village called Edale, which is not far from Sheffield. And the route travels mostly north across the Scottish uh, border to a town called Kirk Yetholm. And um, the, the race mark is put on uh, by a, an incredible, uh, you know, uh, race events team and and medics and yeah, mountain rescue and volunteers. It's a it's a seven day event, so you have seven days to try and complete it. Um, it, it it's kind of billed as an unsupported event, so you kind of largely left to your own devices which which is where a lot of the drama comes from um <laughs> there are there are six checkpoints along the route uh, and these are mostly uh, to kind of give your listeners a, a flavor they're, they're kind of classic british youth hostels so they're, they're pretty basic <laughs> in some respects they were absolutely freezing cold um and but, you know most great, of them would grateful have... Grateful for them when uh, when you were fast approaching them, yeah. Truly, truly grateful. We're truly grateful. We're, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're going to go. We're going to go deep on the gratitude. Um, yes. And you know they would they would have uh, you know three, four, five dormitories um, in them, and depending where you were in the race, because the beginning of the race there there were 185 competitors in the in the Montane uh, Winter Spine uh, edition. I think there were 150 uh, men, 35 uh, women. And at the beginning of the race, obviously, there was there was a more of a kind of concentration. So you saw more people in the first checkpoint. It was uh, it was pretty busy. But as, as the race went on, the um, that field, there was a lot of casualties, uh, a lot of people that pulled out in even inside the first day. So that spread out uh, and that kind of gave you a huge sense of um well introspection uh isolation um you know uh into the breach into the unknown which was was pretty much what i signed up for actually mark well you know that's led nicely on it's like we had a script to this and we actually <laughs> didn't i literally emailed well kind of flirted with the idea a day or so ago didn't i and then this morning i was just like listen i really want to chat to you i'm really keen to hear all about it and how you feel in. So let's just record it as I, as I mentioned earlier on in our chat. But yeah, I was just about to say, um, and you kind of lovely, uh, uh, nicely guided, uh, guided this there, you signed up for this. So is it, I mean, you know, for those that don't know, you are, you're a keen runner, you, you're keen being in the outdoors, you've created a, an incredible community around Camino, which is really kind of, yeah, interconnected and some lovely relationships and, you know, putting people in the path of the ultra world, you know, and uh, that kind of time on your feet, kind of distance uh, beyond beyond the marathon. So you've done a lot of great stuff. So you, you're tuned into it. You you know what value it brings you and and the impact it's had on your life. Uh, but but what made you sign up for for this? How did you first come about it? It's I don't know where it is positioned in the world, but it must be up there. One of the the toughest races in the vertical commas um on the planet let alone the uk is it because you know that's 260 odd miles across seven days across the terrain and the the, the bitter weather that you uh <laughs> that, that, that you experienced i mean it's got it's got to be out there with one of the the toughest things out there right that um comes to people's attention in the running world yeah for sure i mean 
so the the race itself is billed i guess advertised slash sold as the uh as the uk's uh most brutal uh running race so uh and to be honest sounds inviting. Some, it sounds inviting. where do i sign up yeah um, you know as you as you quite rightly said mark as someone that's probably spent you know 15 years specifically in the endurance space the sort of um uh you know mostly uh running but other events too i i i'd find it pretty hard to argue to be honest you know i, I genuinely don't think there is a a tougher uh event out there um that you know covers that distance but actually mark i think and there's probably something that we should get into i mean it, even when signing up and I'll, I'll answer your question as to the why no go for it you already are in yeah. a second but uh actually there was so much that i i didn't appreciate and uh only even begun to you know scratch the surface when i was actually inside the race and i think i think perhaps the the most notable being that you know it, it's a winter event it's very easy to get focused on the weather and uh, we had a very uh, uh, unusual set of weather circumstances last week but um actually it's the, it's the dark it's the it's the obvious night time that I think as humans, we we actually spend very little um, time in uncomfortable scenarios. So, you know, for the many, many of your listeners that are are runners like you and I are, we tend to find a nice spot, don't we, in the morning (laughs) or at lunchtime to meet together so we can see each other. um, And so, you know, we we don't often say let's meet 2 a.m. in the morning. (laughs) <laughs> where where we can't see where we're going but you know uh, pr- practically most of the hours spent um were in 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 the dark and actually you know the navigation was was a big issue and we'll I'm sure we'll talk in a minute about hallucinations and uh and the sleep zombies but uh, it's very difficult to train for those things so yeah to go back to your your question as to the why I I think one part of the why was to to experience some of that stuff you know i think i'm i'm a fully paid up member of the of the gratitude club and i i think sometimes you're you're a wonderful exponent of this mark and that ultimately you know if we all allowed ourselves to take an easy route in life you know we we won't actually kind of get anywhere you know it, it does require some people i'm not counting myself here i definitely count you here as someone that puts themselves in a very uncomfortable position often you know whether it's to try something new or you know build a new community or challenge people as to what their norms are you know we it's absolutely essential that we do that so i think from time to time i like to try and find something which is not known to me and is going to be to a certain degree uncomfortable and then you know dealing with that um that those feelings it kind of informs you doesn't it mark it it kind of you come away from the experience and it allows you to have a more potentially a more positive slant to what your day-to-day um, life is your relationships uh you know what you want to do you know your as i say that my 
my i i visualized a lot you know like those game shows uh mark where you you have to like like do um gunge and you have to fill up a massive tube full of gunge and only when it's at the top do you kind of go on to the next section i sort of had this uh massive gratitude empty vessel and you know every time i i had a low you know i found myself reaching deep into the squeegee of gratitude and and, and sort of squeezing up that uh that kind of vessel and um yeah i think you know it requires something doesn't it? it requires something deep and some energy but when you start following that practice uh it has huge potential you know i actually i want to also want to uh, uh thank you for the uh, december uh gratitude challenge you know we we discussed this a lot didn't we buddy about um you know the daily nature of something and where you know when we were trying to explain this to others you know where the value is i think to me having spent an entire month with other people thinking about gratitude and different things we were doing and what to be grateful for i i absolutely took all of that into this challenge i think if i'd have just dipped my toe into it and not had that daily practice it would have been very paper thin i think i would have struggled to have been able to sort of reach in and be able to kind of get what uh, i was able to get in some of the tougher moments because of um that daily practice so again i'm i'm grateful to you even for the opportunity to to try and start something like that you know the exponential benefits yeah oh, thank you mate but um as you know because you do it as well uh, very similar to myself is you know we just kind of play our part we throw some things out there into the world and sprinkle a little bit of this and and yeah with the hope that people gravitate towards it and get value from it and uh so yeah you know that that consistent gratitude that we do throughout december is uh yeah it's powerful and like, like you suggested you know if you kind of take it on and uh yeah, explore what it is, and that's just that consistent nature around it. It can, yeah, it can, it can definitely be helpful. And it's, it's. I mean, so much just, you know, it's going around in between my ears, just listening to some of what you just shared there. You know, from signing up to something, and, and like always, and and I know we've spoken about this in the past, but what running, you know, how we, you know, what we learn from running, or what running has taught us as a as a singular thing, but how that is kind of them fed into daily life and how we handle things and that kind of, you know, what we learn whilst out running and everything that wraps around that, whether it be consistency, as you just mentioned again, or, you know, the wanting to stop or the how far can I go or the body telling you that you've gone far enough but you still persevere, you know, and kind of managing injuries and everything that's kind of wrapped around, you know, that that, that type of movement and, uh and then, yeah, and how we kind of take some of them lessons, you know, into everyday life and challenges and situations and conversations and just that kind of, um, uh, you know, the conversation around you sign up for something and, you know, you're, you're not silly. You know, you kind of educate yourself uh, a little bit, I would guess. And, you know, you've seen other people that have done it and, and they fed back, you know, what they'd experienced and that might have inspired you a little bit. You've seen films, you've listened to podcasts, you've uh, had your own 15 years of, of endurance type events. So you knew roughly what was on the horizon and you still sign up anyway. But, you know, um, which is great. But did it take you, 
you know, I mean, we've never reached that final destination with this. I mean, you know, what, what we do any given day always feels like the worst, doesn't it? Sometimes it always feels like the toughest thing. But did this take you places that you've kind of never been before mentally? Have you surprised yourself? Um, all the, you mentioned there's only certain uh, parts that you can train for. And then there is just the unknown. You know, you've mentioned like, from a wellness point of view, some of the, the things you can have in your armour, you know, around gratitude and resilience, etc. But yeah, did it did it take you anywhere that really surprised you or scared you or coming out of it, you know, on reflection is like, wow, like I'm, I'm even more capable than, than, than what I believed I was or the human body is even more remarkable that, uh, that I believed it was. Like what was, yeah, take us to one of them moments that you just half mentioned around, you know, the trickier, the, tr- the trickier moments, whether it had been the darkness or the hallucinations that caught my attention when you when you mentioned the word hallucinate. <laughs> tell, tell, me, <laughs> t- tell me more about those moments. Yeah, sure. I mean, I um, I, I, I want to pay huge uh, <laughs> thanks as, as part of sharing this to to a couple of people that I met for the very first time. <laughs> inside the race uh, an absolutely uh uh kind of courageous and you know wild at heart uh lady called edwina sutton who who's very well known in in the running world she's a she's a wonderful running coach and has her own podcasts and every everybody knew edwina um and also uh, a gentleman by the name of leon who's spent uh, 24 years in the Coldstream Guards and, uh, you know, was, was a, for me personally, was a, a sort of constant um, source of calm, Mark, you know, in, in an otherwise uh, very sort of noisy headspace. And so, yeah, I just want to kind of give you a sort of visualisation. We, we were um, on, so as I mentioned before, like so each one of those checkpoints kind of represented a, a a new stretch to head out to sort of into the unknown and we were leaving um uh checkpoint four so we were two-thirds into the race uh, and actually um edwina's <laughs> she's quite a competitor so she she'd actually left the checkpoint you know sometime before us so it just happened to be that it was myself and leon we we left uh, into the night. Um, you know, you leave a checkpoint, and hopefully you've had some food and some rest, and you know you've kind of got some energy inside of you. But uh, yeah, in that part of the race, it, it doesn't take particularly long before that's kind of evaporated. <laughs> and if you imagine the old kind of Duracell uh, bunnies, the old batteries, you know, we were sort of it wasn't long before we were sort of flickering in those last bars you know and so we, we'd we'd regrouped myself and leon had caught uh edwina up and um most of these uh legs they were probably somewhere between um 35 and um maybe 55 miles long to kind of give you an uh, an idea of you know when you leave a a checkpoint how long you've actually got before you're ever reaching something of uh you know major settlement where you can kind of change some clothing and get some medic help but within inside of those legs you know you you kind of like you 
it's, it's very difficult to explain but you know you i mean you you aren't completely remote if that makes sense you know you always there's a sense inside of you that you're perhaps five miles or 10 miles away from civilization i mean that can seem an awful long way but you know you see some lights you know there's some farms around you and you know obviously the point is i think in this particular race is like do you ever get so desperate that you stop or do you get desperate that you come off the trail in order to find food or shelter or warmth and actually we um we started to kind of we could tell i could observe watching the other two that they were you know really struggling struggling with sleep you know they were really swaying from side to side i started doing it myself you know where you sort of show uh, shut your eyes and you maybe do three steps you open your eyes again and you you slightly wobble to the left but you're so tired that you actually next time you do like five steps with your eyes shut you just want as much as you possibly can but without endangering yourself and um so just we... to just to add a bit more to that visualization piece it's yeah. about the checkpoint four so how many days in were you here how much sleep had you had and yeah. like how was the body like any kind of little niggles or sort of kind of yeah i mean it sounds like the, the sleep had been few and far between the last few days or however long it was so this, this was this was somewhere between day and three and four. As I said, this is you know this is for most competitors it pretty much is a non-stop continuous race um, in order to have a chance of kind of finishing. Um, I would say, I mean, I know for a fact that the the winners of the race had practically like one or two hours. Wow. And maybe some competitors in the race managed 20 hours over the week. Uh, myself wow. personally, I think I counted about four, four and a bit hours. I, I tried, I tried to sleep more. So maybe I tried to sleep eight, nine of hours, but I think the brain was just so overactive and maybe the dormitories with the other sleeping, <laughs> snoring people, uh just i just couldn't do it so yeah by this point um mark yeah with the the fatigue levels were were fairly extreme um <laughs> the, 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 halluc the hallucinations have started to kick in uh for me personally i i kept um so so there was a lot of snow out there uh, and there was a lot of black ice and i could see i could see very clearly um people's faces in the snow and in the ice i actually saw uh lots of uh karl marx for some strange reason and i would see lots of other people that looked a bit like him so i kind of assumed that they were his friends <laughs> and um they david wow. alban david alban kept appearing quite a bit and i obviously uh, the route that we were on it's mostly just a sort of like trail route there's nothing either side there's no wall there's no protection from the kind of wind and stuff but as i was walking i could just see rows and rows of like uh semi-detached houses almost touchable either side with the windows with the lights on people were in their front rooms you know washing up and and i on reflection i think it was like some level of comfort for me yes that there was like 
this thing very close but you know if yes. i ever wanted to and stare closely they, they clearly weren't there so so yeah so the three the three of us actually i think we started to actually there was a borderline feeling of panic that we were a starting to navigate very poorly that we were i think it was like minus i think it was minus three but sort of felt like minus 10 and um we weren't really eating very well and we just just needed some sleep we just had to sleep somewhere so i think leon who was so much more the most capable out of the three of us was sort of got his phone out started to kind of like do some um internet searches and and, and basically found what we hoped was a, a public toilet <laughs> that was about rock, three three rock miles and rock and roll that was about three miles in the distance i think i think anybody at that point would have just thought this is you know the chances of this thing being open were pretty remote but it it, it became everything for me personally <laughs> you know that as i said to talk about kind of gratitude you know you know you you'd never look at a public toilet ever again would you like this this the thought of just some form of inside space something where you can close a door and you know they're not they're not particularly um built to be friendly are they but no. just maybe a little bit more friendly than the the uh outdoor environment that we're experiencing and yeah those three miles took a long time buddy i think the thing that i experienced the most one of the most shocking thing was that um that particular those days spent inside that race they they felt like they lasted forever you know like some of the stretches that may were maybe were half an hour or two hours felt like entire weeks themselves you know you you seem to make so little progress some of the terrain looked very similar like you, the, that horrible feeling it, there was one particular forest that we were in and i had that particular feeling like we'd done a lap of the forest and come back to the starting point <laughs> it was particularly horrible but yeah we we arrived at the, the public toilet and and it was open and the three of us went inside we you know, there's a lot of mandatory kit that you had to carry so we had a sleeping bag we uh, had a sleeping mat uh we had stoves to be able to boil some water and um we set our alarms for uh I don't know, I think 30 minutes. And uh yeah, we just instantly all fell asleep. Um it was it was pretty rude to wake up uh and to to pack and get out there again, but you know, we just felt it was the right thing to do and yeah, just having a really, really short nap. Uh it's just the most astonishing powers of um recovery. Yeah. I read a lot I read a lot about it. I think as we get older. You know, we just kind of joke, don't we, about our, our elderly relatives having a nap. But I think there's a huge amount of science in the uh, the restorative power of, um, you know, short, short sleep. And I I definitely learned uh, to my benefit that uh, that it that it worked for me in that race. That's the most extreme power nap I've ever heard, mate. <laughs> I've ever heard about. But it just again, there's so, there's so much there. One thing that just come come to mind, which is, you know, if you if you look back in 
in how things used to be, you know, many years ago before cars, mm. you know, this was way of travel. Yes. You know, just traveling around up the hills, all weathers, all times to ride, you know, everything. And I imagine just that's, it's, you can't even get your head around how things used to be. You read about it, obviously, and you, you know, you look back in time, history, et cetera. But to have your own, not that we're trying to put, put the two in the same conversation, but, you know, contradictory to that, there's similarities there with, it's all relative, isn't it? You know, with, like you mentioned, like all looking very similar and just taking time to get anywhere. And did you see it? Because you mentioned the word a few times. Because it's how it's it's how it's kind of put out there. Did you see it as a race? Was that was there a competitive nature in you, kind of driving you forwards, or is it just kind of come and go? Or did you all of a sudden realise what you were doing and where you were? Was you aware of people behind you in front of? Like, how was that? How was your mind with, with that side of things? Because ordinarily, you, you're a very capable runner on shorter distances. Kind of, you, you know, you're up there and you're up there with this anyway, but. Yeah, how how was that relationship with you know trying to kind of you know get get up the positions? Was that even in in mind or? Yeah, yeah, no, it's um, yeah, it's quite a pertinent question. I um, a lot a lot of things you just covered there. I mean, you, you know me well. I'm I'm someone I'm very passionate about um, the history of of uh, you know routes and, and and trails that we have both in the uk and around the world and you know that also lends itself to you know this this particular race has been hosted 11 times and i can i can tell you the names of the previous winners and and their times and you know i also knew mark that inside of this race um there there was um some incredible racing going on uh, it was eventually won by an amazing guy called Damien Hall. Uh, I think this was his third, uh, fourth attempt to win it. Um, he was leading last year and he got an injury. And there was there was a huge amounts of drama actually unfolding um, in the race. There was he was neck neck and neck with another fabulous runner called Jack Scott, and actually Jack was ahead of him. And and uh, there was stories coming down the course that Jack had actually incurred a time penalty of 48 minutes for for taking a wrong uh you know cutting out you know by accident cutting out a bit of the course and gaining a very tiny but unfair advantage and so you know that 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 was I didn't actually hear a lot of stuff that was going on but you know that was that you know, I always enjoyed uh you know, being in the checkpoint and someone, I guess it's a reference point, isn't it? You know, in terms of like a, almost a pinch yourself moment that actually you are in this same event. Um, and for me personally, I, I, in day one, um, Mark, I, you know, I think there was, there was a lot of my friends who were inside the race Um who you know we'd all been talking about you know finishing and how long it was going to take us and this that and the other and by the end of day one <laughs> most of them had dropped out <laughs> for various different reasons so i think it was a bit of a shock to me i think i think it height uh, heightened the sort of imposter syndrome 
that that that's people sometimes carry into any type of event that they've never done before. And I was a bit like, well, if they've they've dropped out, you know, why haven't I dropped out? And you know, so I I I think I there's something sort of happened to me in the middle of that that event where I think I allowed myself to be a bit less competitive and I I got more into the sort of survival mechanism I got more into the relationships um I was very I say I was very very lucky to fall into this partnership with uh this this guy called Leon and um you know you you know me well I'm I can be quite a quiet person um and Leon was sort of quieter than me you know so when I was starting to kind of get agitated or when I started to um uh veer off uh from a kind of gratitude path you know I Leon didn't really need to say anything he just needed just to have that person in my presence that I think because of his military background you know he was just such an incredible you know he had such a stride length on him he never swerved from it he you know the proverbial you know anything in life is just get that one step forward and then get another step forward and at times just focus on that step don't focus on the next day or some big event you know be present and actually i found it enormously powerful to be present in uh like i say well, there's a lot of snow there so it's like it's almost like wonderful footprints he had big feet leon and uh <laughs> you know we took it in turns to be in front and we took it in turns to navigate and it was never our plan that we um were going to be able to see this whole thing out together so you just took each leg um you know as as it came but um go back to your question uh the wonderful ed Wiener, um she oh, i just give you another sort of little side story so uh paula as 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 you know dearly who's my coach paula was also coaching uh, another athlete in the same event and absolutely a, a wonderful uh friend uh competitor called hannah uh, hannah rickman and hannah was actually second female from quite early on in the race uh, she was anywhere between half a day and five six hours ahead ahead of myself um uh, edwina when we first met her she was something like sixth position and you know we were just focused on finishing we never really thought much about that but actually a couple of competitors fell behind edwina so actually when uh we we got um to the bit that I'm referring to, um, Edwina had actually got herself into um, into third position. So I sort of found myself in a very strange world where, you know, as as a, an athlete of Paula's and as a friend of Hannah's, you know, I was I was potentially in a position to help the third place person. <laughs> get closer to the second to catch her up and and you know this is not to take anything away from um from edwina because uh, she genuinely was doing you know this all on her own you know like i said she never stopped she would often crack on on her own for hours and hours at a time and it through circumstances we would 
potentially catch back up again. And in in the end, the three of us did um, all finish together. And I think we were something like uh, five hours behind Hannah at the end. But and, and at no point were we particularly close. But like I said, the, that competitive drive did come back. And it did uh, inform me a lot. And I did think about it quite a bit. And I knew I knew we were quite um, up in terms of the race itself. And, you know, I think we finished sort of 25th out of the 185. So I can't lie. Too shabby. I can't lie. It wasn't too shabby, mate, as as a first timer. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm grateful that um, for a huge, huge part of, of the event itself, it wasn't about that and oh mate the the it's just so unbelievably beautiful out there you know i i just wish everybody the opportunity to try and explore um that part of the world more it, it you can get very remote which which is which is you know get, that feeling of getting lost but using your skills to get found again is uh is 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 all powerful and um yeah, I really immersed myself in that for a few days. Yeah, amazing. And, you know, one thing that comes to mind, well, a couple of things come to mind there, but it's just that, you know, you, you spoke really well about the, you know, the individual journey that you were on, you know, and, um, you know, with it, but just how necessary it is to kind of tune into the fact that we we are there to experience it with others as well. And we can't really, we can't do it on our own, whether it be knowing that people are at different checkpoints, which they were, you know, the volunteers and, and the medics, et cetera, but also on route and, you know, how you lent in uh, to that guy in particular at certain stages when Edwina was out doing what she was doing. Um, it's just vital, isn't it? And, you know, take that back into everyday life that we've kind of merged the two in this chat uh, a lot is just, yeah, this we're, we're all, we're out there on our own, you know, um, but yeah, we, we can't kind of always do everything by ourselves, you know, and, uh, you know, if it wasn't for other people at certain stages, just, yeah, you know, uplifting us or guiding us or, put, you know, putting putting the snow prints in, in, in the snow in front of us, then we'd be even more lost, wouldn't we? You know, and, and then that kind of fed into something else you mentioned there, which sparked the thought for me around, you know, the competitive nature but yes, you're out there, you know, amongst hundred and hundred and eighty odd people, and uh, you know, across multiple days. But then also the, which is you know, a competition and a, and a race or whatever. But also the competitive nature of yourself, just to finish, just to get to that next checkpoint, you know, and uh, and just that inner dialogue that we need, that self-talk, that that uh, what's the word, the the resilience, just to kind of just to get it done, you know, mm. uh, if, if you're lucky enough, you know, because for whatever reason, injuries or, you know, why, why people had to drop out in here, which is unfortunate, but just to, you know, about sounding too romantic, just to turn up at the start line, you know, there's a whole heap of stories to tell prior to that with the training and the, and the prep and, you know, what that involves, but then just to kind of get to the finish line must have, ah, oh, just must have felt so surreal for you, knowing that you were fast approaching it, like a day out, 10 miles out, 5k out. (laughs) Tell us how how that felt for you, knowing that, you know, the the end was near and physically you felt like you had it in you to kind of see this thing through. And yeah, tell us about that. 
it i mean it was it was um it was quite emotional the the last day actually the um as i sort of mentioned before we we had this scenario where uh myself and leon we we were we were consistently uh you know looking after each other in a, in a sort of very tidy fashion but there was always some sort of chaos <laughs> happening somewhere else and um on on the very last leg uh i could uh i could kind of see a light up ahead and you know as as you can imagine in these kind of nighttime adventures when you're very tired you know you're sort of seeing stuff all the time but you but you are you are also looking you're kind of looking for reference points and certain things i could kind of see this sort of light and as we got closer this this light was uh was sort of sobbing <laughs> softly and uh yeah it, it turned out to be edwina and she like oh. i said she she'd um pushed on quite significantly beforehand and obviously got herself in such a tired state that she ended up sort of collapsing and 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 you know sleeping potentially sort of sleeping for a period of time in in the deep snow and when she when she came to you know she was understandably uh, disorientated and thankfully she made a very sensible decision to phone the race organizers sort of say who am i <laughs> where am i yes. And uh, they said, "Look, you know, we 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 can see on your tracker that you are actually on the path, and there are a couple of competitors that are probably going to be with you in ten, fifteen minutes. So just stay tight, you know, call as if you need. Uh, but you know, we we fully expect that they'll um, they'll help out. And obviously, it was us. It was us. <laughs> so we 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 scooped." Um, Eddie up and and she was she was in she was in a pretty bad state to be honest like you say she was pretty incoherent but you have to remember that I mean I, I can't speak for Leon but I I was this was like the coldest point of the race I think it was minus 15 degrees we were on the highest point of the Cheviots we were heading um to so there were there are two uh, mountain huts refuges which you know can like walkers can go in but they they have no facilities so all we could do was just to say you know to edwina like let's just keep moving and we'll we'll get ourselves to to the hut and um again as i mentioned before it just seemed to take quite a hellish amount of time to get to the hut and when we got to the hut, we sort of knocked on the hut door. It seems a bit silly now, but I remember at the time thinking, why are we knocking on the door? And and then we knocked again. And I, I remember Leon sort of karate kicking the door as if it was like stuck. And we, we went into this, you know, walled hut that had a couple of benches. And there was there was someone asleep in the corner, you know, a, a volunteer. And they woke up and... They basically said, you know, uh, you know, we've got no facilities, but you know, do do whatever you need to do in the hut. And 
so yeah we that's when we you know uh heard the story from from edwina she shared what had happened to us um it was so cold in that hut i cannot tell you just how unbearably unpleasant it was like if you if you imagine having i had my my running shoes and i had two thick pairs of socks and it was uncomfortable to put my feet on the floor it was wow. so cold so i had to lift them off the floor i had a had my foil blanket around me had some hot hot uh water and it was just every second in there was absolutely awful <laughs> i couldn't i couldn't basically i would try to sleep i think the other guys slept edwina of course slept thankfully and but as soon as we left that hut, I was literally like stamping my feet like a wild Apache Indian, you know, doing a dance to try and <laughs> warm my feet up um, for what seemed like half an hour. It was so cold. And um, yeah, when it took us about uh, six, seven hours to get to the second hut. And at which point when we got to the hut, um, Edwina collapsed through i think just the emotion the enormity of what we'd just been through it was now light time and there was about five volunteers in hut two and there was a medic in there um and lots of food and they were just so funny and they were and it was it, it i mentioned this mark because edwina was like you guys need to leave you know you've been amazing but you know i just need to sit here for a while and and leon and i were like no way absolutely you know we've gone through so much together and you know even though she's so tough and stubborn <laughs> she was pretty she meant it but we just couldn't leave her you know just couldn't leave her with such a long amount of the um the journey still to go having but yes it, we we left that heart and we after a while we started what became the final descent all the way down to the finish and um interestingly there there came a moment when uh, i turned around to leon and i said mate it's over I said it, it's done i was like you know we've we've you know, obviously not reached the finish line but actually it's over Do you know what i mean it was like mm. we sort of you know the drama was over you know we'd come off that hill and what it represented and the sun was shining and we had two days to finish and you know nothing was going to kill us but the home straight, as they say that, but but it was a very unusual emotionally kind of switched something off and we still had i can't remember 2 3 hours maybe more from that point until we actually got to the finish but i i'd kind of i was i was slightly gone by then so unlike any normal race when you get you imagine doing a london marathon and you're coming down the mall you know, you're just so pumped, aren't you? Just so high for it all. And you forget about what's happened before. But actually, I'd, you know, I I just sort of finished. And um, actually, Gavi, Gavi, my wife, who you know well, Mark, had uh, got on the train at 5 a.m. in the morning to to come up to see me at the finish. And again, oh, I, I the, the hug at the end, I didn't oh, need, lovely. I didn't, I didn't need the medal or the, the wall and there's like there's a lot of really beautiful sort of like ceremony and rituals that people do at the end and uh, I just couldn't kind of do it you know it's it was fine it was all good but I was uh yeah I think I was a bit bankrupt to be honest buddy and 
I was quite happy happy to sort of like slowly walk away and go into a world of kind of uh, recovery and peace you know but i was grateful buddy don't get me wrong you know what i mean it, there Mate, was so many, through. So many beautiful people at the end like so many stories i i'd want to share about hannah came back uh obviously only having a few hours sleep which was gorgeous paula was there uh anna from loomy life debbie who who won last year i just i would say i was just <laughs> i was just gone but I was I was I was eternally grateful for for those hugs and and what was there. But yeah, some I I'll mostly remember being up that last mountain and and that sort of those feelings had properly washed me out to see, you know. <laughs> yeah, it just reminds me. Start, you know that feeling. I mean, you described the marathon, which I can't relate to. I haven't had the pleasure yet, but of like you know the finish line is, is close and, you know, if it is, you know, a certain type of event where, you know, you've got a crowd there and, you know, whether it would be a few people or thousands of people, but there's that kind of buzz as you've suggested. Oh, it's but huge, more, mate. More, more often than not, the, the feeling is, and it's whether you're, you know, because 5k is a long way as well. Let's not, yes. let's not be around the boots for, you know, a lot of people think 5k, you know, because they hear about all these other distances and events, they kind of think 5k is a piece of cake, but it's not. So, but, you know, when you reach the end of a 5k, sometimes you're like, I, I couldn't have gone any further or a 10k yeah. or a half marathon. Like, could you have gone any further? Like, if their mind, if it was another day, yeah. do you think that you mentioned the word bankrupt there and it's largely mindset, you know, and you knew it is, you know, you kind of tell yourself the story, didn't you, to kind of encourage you. But yeah, was it just like that was your limit or do you feel like actually you know i could have gone on for more because it's <laughs> you've mentioned different temperatures and yep. but let's have it right i don't know if it was wet at any stage i know what it's like here down south you know it was beautiful blue skies but yeah very 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 crisp and like freezing but it was you know, five days straight in the darkness out in the wilderness minus temperatures i mean that was you know that's something else eh? Yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, it's definitely a question that I ask myself a, a lot, and I think I think the answer, Mark, is yes. I, I could have done more. I think you you have a lot of it is about management, isn't it? A lot of it you already mentioned. Um, there was a huge amount of preparation that went into this event. You know, a huge amount of um, support from from Paula to delve into some areas mark that i'd never ever gone to as a runner so i spent four months uh cold water uh you know training in in stoke newington's west reservoir with paula and gabby twice a week going from 18 degrees down to you know practically freezing breaking the ice you know uh just just to kind of have some kind of notion you know if you fell it there was lots of um need to thigh deep rivers you had to cross because most of them were on day one of the race and what i i definitely know one competitor that fell in the river so you think imagine you how you know literally you're totally immersed in icy cold water and you gotta pull yourself out from that and you're only five hours into a seven day race you know with all your kit completely sodden so i was training for that and i did some a huge sort of block of um, strength and 
conditioning training with a a local uh, ultra marathon specific runner called Fab. Uh, and like I said, I had never done that before. So a lot of these things were planned for, but you know, most of the things like the sleep deprivation and the hallucinations and things you uh, don't ever wish to train for. And and you you just deal with them, don't you? But I, I could have done longer. It's amazing how the body, when you stop, stop, when you reach the finish, then the body goes, thank you very much, and reclaims itself and, and goes into a quite a severe recovery where you become very stiff and very sore, um, you know, and it's trying, it's basically, like I said, it's trying to take over. So you, mostly what you're trying to do is just to keep moving, aren't you? So as soon yeah. as you stop, um, then you're, you're in a, you're in a trouble. So I think that's maybe why sleep in those events are so difficult because maybe the body and the brain are saying that actually, if you don't get out of here, if you don't start moving, I'm going to reclaim you. I'm going to there's consume so, you. There's so much that just that interests me around all this stuff about, you know, how far can we go? When is enough enough? You know, when is it time to listen to the body? You know, it's yeah. slightly different when it's a physical endurance, right? Because, you know, a lot of the time it's obvious, you know, because you need to stop. But just like when the mind takes over and when we can go, uh, you know, excuse the pun, but that extra mile, you know, and, and, you know, what are our capabilities and, you know, what evidence do we need? And that's why things like this are, I think, important as humans, just these challenges, you know, in life where, you know, what what can we do personally, you know, and what evidence can we bank to suggest, actually, I didn't think I could do that, now I can do that, you know, and you go from, you know, the, the running journey for a lot of people, not everybody, but it is, okay, this 5K, the 10K, the half marathon, the marathon, what's beyond that? You know, yeah. it's not like in an unhealthy, obsessive way where you feel like, okay, what's more? I want more. You know, what's the next thing? You know, I'm not, I'm not kind of having that type of conversation because, because that definitely is a conversation. But it's more of actually, no, like I can do this. This is, this is good for me. This is showing me a level of, of skill and and uh, and in a belief that I can go out into everyday life and and face life, no matter what it throws it is, whether it be the knee high rivers, whether it be the minus fifteen top of a mountain in the coldest place on the earth. It sounds like as you're as you're describing it, because after that experience, you know, after you've done your little Indian dance, you were walking towards more settled times where something in you was just actually we're going to be okay now. You know, and this, like I said, without these experiences, we don't really get that feeling that that brings, which I think is important medicine. You know, but you know the the kind of absurdity about that sometimes is what we you know, we sign up for. This is like there, there's something in us as humans which there's a desire there, isn't there? To kind of um, you know, there's a lot of things that maybe we we talk ourselves out of it. But underneath all that fear or uncertainty, whatever you want to, uh, way you want to put it, is this need in us to kind of go there, you know? Yeah. And uh, you definitely, you definitely went there, David. You definitely went there, and you and you shared the story beautifully. So you know, in these days that have followed, literally what three, four days has it been? I forget what day it is. Um, how is the body? How is the mind? Are you sending them back into things to chat? I bet all you wanted was your bed, but you were still. A million miles away from home um <laughs> so yeah how has it been since has things settled for you yeah it's been 
it's been amazing to be honest buddy from the point of view of um you know the people uh, i you've got a lot of love out there haven't you i've th seen there, all the comments and there's a lot there's a lot of love i had my uh, i call them my moais i'm sure if you're familiar with um the the blue zones and the japanese uh culture Ikigai. of um ikigai so yeah, yeah my moais called me out um the day after i got back and sang a very roaring uh rendition of he's a jolly good fellow to, to total embarrassment but do you know what i mean they're a pretty wonderful bunch and um yeah just a lot of people reaching out um saying a lot of kind of cool stuff I, yeah I, I will um you know refer back to what what you just mentioned um mark i, I you know that there's something i i think you know there's a lot of people out there that um kind of looking for something and a lot of things that are served up um you know they might be especially people like us that live in cities you know these things are in parks um but on concrete you know cordoned off and given a certain sort of distance and i think actually the real the real nugget the secret sauce is just to kind of go walking in nature and sort of set yourself no kind of limits you know we're you know you you're you live uh right next to epping forest which is such a beautiful forest uh on the fringes of london you know just taking yourself to a, a place like that and just weaving in and out of trees and uh and and you know just just enjoying it you know i think is um is the essence of kind of so yeah you you know you can have a bit of endurance and go out for for really long walks the fitter you get but um you know that's just just one element but i think you know you you don't have to spend too much time to get an enormous amount of uh deeper connection and sort of you know a real sense of wonder with what's out there and yeah it's, the spine to me was just a sort of lucky uh you know week of um ever experiencing that so yeah it was, it was a huge sense of gratitude for that i mean i don't know if you've heard david but when you just mentioned there about you know you don't need to do the spine necessarily to go out there and get a sense of what's on offer in the in the outdoors is yeah. you know the rumor is um it's a grateful mile at a time it's, it's so, just one grateful mile at a time, isn't it? And I yeah, think uh, yeah. the power the power of that is, you know, that 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 is a full a full power, you know. And it, you know, since um, coming back, you know, I've dialed back into that, you know, a bit like we were in December. You know, I've made it's been it's been a it's I'm a bit sore, but mm. you know, I've been leaving the house just to have a shuffle and i i'm i'm doing a grateful shuffle but i am yeah. grateful and it's been a pleasure and getting outside and seeing friends and i i know it won't be long before um you know that grateful shuffle is becoming a bit more of a grateful jog but uh in its own time but uh yeah I, I obviously uh just that in itself is is enough and uh, absolutely you know, i've enjoyed it 
Yeah, and we never belittle the mile. So like it slips off our tongue. You know, we're yep. fully aware that whether people walk it or run it or chop it up into little things if they're, you know, if they yes. are listening to this and things like the spine is just like, or can't even begin to even relate to anything like that, then, you know, the mile is, uh, you know, just, just as important and, uh, you know, just let it, yeah, lead the way, yeah, literally. And uh, one from front the other and, and, and trust it. So, Amazing, mate. Really good to speak to you for the first time since and uh, kind of capture this, yeah, just capture it in this conversation, really, because we would have had this conversation regardless whether I press record. And um, so I love our conversations. I always take a lot from them. So, yeah, I'm not going to record all of our chats. Um, but but, <laughs> it, but this, one, this, this one did feel a little bit unique in a moment in time to, uh, yeah, to kind of just uh, hear about your experience firsthand uh, with hopefully, you know, the ears of others um, at some point uh, listening in and yeah just taking sank from it so from a run grateful point of view you know we're we're working on lots behind the scenes uh, and because uh, I, I finished as I started you know obviously a very important part of uh, of everything that we are up to so I'm excited to see what lands over the coming days and weeks hopefully there's a few decisions uh, we're waiting for but in the meantime we do what we can with what we've got and uh, yeah, recover well, and I'll no doubt chat to you uh, this evening. Always <laughs> oh, a genuine pleasure, buddy. Yes, yeah, okay, no problem. So, uh, love to the family. Look forward to getting out and having a, a walk or run with you very, very soon around uh, the beautiful Victoria Park. And Let's do uh, it. yeah, so actually, while while we're here, is there any any person or you've mentioned loads in regards to individuals in particular, but anyone? You just want to maybe uh, finish off on share a bit of gratitude for you, my friend. Gen- 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 genuinely, I, uh, you know, we've we've already had a had a journey together, haven't we? And uh, yes. you know, we've uh, that that road hasn't always been um, easy from an external forces point of view. Not necessarily always serving up what's. Uh, you know we we would like in terms of uh helping you know take this message a bit further but it is is an extremely powerful message and um you know you bring such a beautiful joy and uh you know sort of belief system to it mate that it uh that it needs to needs to work you know yes. definitely needs a, a wider audience so uh yeah, mate, we've just started, haven't we? So let's, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to meeting what you comes. again. Uh, and uh, let's get another grateful mile logs together soon, dude. Good man. Love to the Camino family, the wrong grateful crew and everyone else that believes in us, supports us, shares about us, talks about us. However yep. way it gets out there. Um, yeah, there's some incredible people doing some amazing things. And uh, on that note, we will... Love you and leave you. 